Welcome to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast, making health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. Hi there, Colin Nottage here, and welcome to the Interesting Health and Safety podcast. Today, I am joined by Ed Williams. Now, I doubt many of you would have heard of Ed before, because he's not a health and safety professional. He's not in a health and safety professional profession. In actual fact, what Ed is, is um, is a, an extreme swimmer. Um, so he has swum the English Channel multiple times. He swam the Northern Channel, which is between Ireland and Scotland, uh, which is a pretty amazing feat, um, um, and has done numerous other uh, activities um, you know, around the world, um, swimming. He also runs a, a swimming school in the uh, in Cambridge in the UK, um, where he teaches teaches people, you know, very very bespoke sort of swimming lessons, um, sort of one or two people at a time. Um, we we talk an awful lot about mindset, about uh, about you know just how you go about taking on something like an extreme swim. Yeah, I really hope you enjoy this. I really enjoyed talking to him. Welcome, Ed. Ed, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today for the uh, our, our, our chat, um, for the interesting health and safety podcast. Could you um, could you introduce yourself? Yeah, certainly. My name is Ed Williams. I'm uh, managing director of Elite Swimming Academy Limited, which is uh, one of the largest independent swim schools in the area. Um, and I'm also a cross-channel swimmer. So I've swum the English Channel, the Irish Channel, uh, Gibraltar Strait, which is Europe to Africa, uh, all of which without a wetsuit. So health and safety was probably, uh, could have been better than it was for those, but uh, I got there in the end. <laughs> I mean, I've had a look on your um, on your website and um, uh, edwilliams.org.uk, and it was it was just an absolutely fantastic video that you've got on there that's showing uh, you know just showing the, the build up the build up to the swims that you were doing, and then the uh, the actual event, and then the, I suppose the jubilation at the end of it. Can you can you sort of just talk about how do you go about planning something like swimming across the channel? Well, the very first time I swam across the English Channel, I was 19 years old. So I was already uh, a, a national level swimmer um, competing at a high level. And I totally, I'd always had this dream to swim the English Channel. So I went in pretty blind then. And uh, whereas most people would do lots of smaller events leading up to it, I just went straight for the big one, the English Channel. And I've done many since then. Um, and I guess uh, planning it, there's so much to take into account, booking the boat, uh, letting the authorities know, you have to be registered with the various associations, um, have uh, huge amounts of medical testing done. Um, I even had Cambridge University um, uh, sports scientists following me across um, the, the channel, seeing how the effects of cold water would affect the human body under stress. So there was a lot of preparation that went in, but I guess I, since then I've done probably another 10 expeditions and it gets a bit easier every time <laughs> brilliant i mean um you know one of the things i think about the uh the the english channel again i've seen some of those um uh, videos that they show uh with the, the number of boats that are just going it's such a busy stretch of water isn't it the uh you know between between dover and calais i'm um, probably one of, the, one of the busiest in the world i suppose i mean yeah. You know, I mean, it is the busiest in the world. It's the busiest shipping lane in the world. So um, dodging those super tankers, which take up to two miles to stop once they put the brakes on, um, that's part of the the um, the challenge. I mean, can you? I mean, can you try and plan? You know, to to swim at 
quieter times or is it just busy all the time i mean have you just have you just got to be avoiding them is that how it works or that's exactly how it works you have to avoid them so you um you have a boat with you um a support vessel and that has a flag alpha on top which basically indicates that there's a swimmer in the water so all the tankers should see that um, right. but they're not stopping for anybody so you really have to choose your gap um, when I did the Gibraltar Strait for example which is Europe to Africa that's um, that's a very busy shipping lane as well and I came so close to being um, knocked down by one of these ships it was probably only about 25 meters away and I could feel the propellers churning up all the cold water from the depths of the uh, of the sea so you do get very close and sometimes you just have to tread water wait for your gap and then sprint through yeah right sure right sure before the next one comes <laughs> yeah yeah before the next one um you know i, I suppose that the people on the boat are, i mean they've got to be your eyes and your, and your ears for that i mean you're just i suppose you're just trying to exactly. concentrate on what you're doing is that is that how it works yeah, that's exactly right yeah yeah so you need you need a good team. I mean, how many people are in the team then for uh, you know for? Um, well, it, uh, probably four or five, but I've scaled down in recent years. I did the um, Irish Channel in 2016, Ireland, Scotland, um, and that's only been done by a handful of people. And uh, th that one, I only had uh, my wife. Uh, Rebecca Ron and a friend of mine from Cambridge uh, who was training to swim the English Channel so I just had two people as my support team um, but then you have the captain of the boat and he has a skipper as well uh, so he has his helper so yeah you're looking at about four or five crew all together. Mm. Now that's one you had uh, you had a couple of goes of that I think isn't it you you were unsuccessful the first time and uh i did yes i first attempted it in 2014 and i i would have had the world record for it um i only about 25 people had done it by then um right. in world history it's a, a very difficult channel um and i was about 18 miles in probably just another three to go on track to have the world record and um the, the amount of jellyfish that stung me by that time was astronomical i mean hundreds of uh, a very nasty variety of jellyfish called lion's mane uh whose stings are, are very toxic and um i was pushing through all, all of these hundreds of stings but eventually it just got too much and started affecting my breathing so I thought, not worth it, I'll get out and I'll come back again. <laughs> so I came back a couple of years later and managed it. I mean, that's, a, that's a fan fantastic to, uh, you know, to sort of break through that, you know, that, that, you know, what did you, what did you learn from the, from the first attempt then that, uh, that meant you were successful second time then? Um, first attempt, um, probably that you can't control one's circumstances on these events. It's very much a lottery. So even putting in the uh, uh, good solid year of training, dedicating my life to it, um, the conditions weren't perfect on the day, which meant there were a lot more jellyfish than uh, would have been ideal. And it, it, that just destroyed things, really. So it was either a case of let that get on top of you or come back stronger and do it a second time, which is what I did. Um, making sure you're in a good headspace as well is very important. If you get negative thoughts in your heads in that kind of freezing cold environment, it can snowball very quickly. Um, so staying positive, being in a good mindset and um, being physically prepared, mentally prepared, and of course, the luck of the draw on the day for the conditions. And that is, I mean, that's 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 going to be part of, isn't it? That it just happened, you know. That it, I mean, you're going to plan it, um, you know, to make sure you try and go 
on a good day weather-wise, I suppose, but uh, but you don't actually know what's in the sea, do you? You, know, it's, uh... you don't, no, absolutely. So uh, Gibraltar Strait, I mean, that's uh, migration route to the great white shark at, at certain times of year. And um, I did, I can't remember what month I did that, but I certainly remember seeing a huge silver animal underneath me about halfway across. Um, and I thought, oh, this is it, that's <laughs> a shark. And uh, then I heard all this clicking under the water. And before I knew it, I was surrounded by hundreds of dolphins. So. Um, um, swimming with dolphins in the wild was probably my most incredible experience uh, and they just came from nowhere you never know what's in the water with you that's absolutely amazing and, mm. and I suppose things things like that must really sort of you know spur you on you know when they when they when they join you you know and get get rid of those those dark thoughts that could be going yeah absolutely no that was a, a magical moment yeah so I mean you know I, mean, I think that's a really interesting point that you, you, you mentioned there about getting your your headspace right for something like this because you know people people can train can't they and you can get you can get physically as fit as you can get but but you know yeah. even the fittest people can can fail if if their head's not right so so what sort of things do you do to to get to get you in the right place you know to attempt well to uh, for a channel swim, I'd say, and this is no exaggeration, 90% of the success is in the mind and staying in a good psychological uh, place. If you're physically, I know people who have been vastly physically fitter than me who've gone for a channel swim um, and they've given up after a few hours just because the enormity of the task ahead so the way I do it I break it down into much smaller sections I think I'm going to be swimming for 14 to 16 hours in most cases I will break that down into half hour pieces just like I would in a, in a swimming pool, uh, because you, you have a, a little feed every half hour, a, a drink, as long as you're treading water. So I just break it down into smaller bite-sized sections, and then at the time just, well, I wouldn't say it flies, but it's a lot more palatable. Because mm. you're, uh, you're not allowed to touch a boat when you're doing it, is that correct? You no, that's stay... correct. If you, if you even accidentally brush the boat, you're disqualified, and you always have a judge on the boat as well. So as well as my crew, there'll be someone there from the Channel Swimming Association or the Channel Swimming and Piloting Federation. There's lots of these all over the world for each one, and their job is to make sure they record every detail and they make sure that everything is done by the book. So no wetsuit, for example, no flotation aids, no touching the boat, um, no banned substances. Um, you, you, it's very carefully monitored to make sure it's fair. Mm. So, um, you know, so, you know, in those half hour bites then, you know, what do you think about when you're swimming? <laughs> it's a very difficult one. It depends, your mind wanders. Um, usually for me, it's the goal and what I'm going to do when I get there, uh, when it's done. And I just think to myself, this is just 14 hours out of my life. It's a very small amount of time when you put it into uh, perspective. And uh, I think I can just push through all this boredom now, um, go into a meditative state and get it done. And then I'll, I'll wake up the next day and I'll have accomplished something big um, or give up now and you'll be disappointed the next day. So I always think how I'm going to celebrate, how it's going to make me feel um, and just putting um, the end to the journey, so to speak. Mm, yeah, I mean it's, uh, and I think you know. I mean, again, just looking at your, um, looking at your your videos, um, the the end is is, it's, it's it must be euphoric for you, okay, to actually get across there. 
but it's actually sort of oh, quite, wow. a, it's quite a, a, a subdued event as well, isn't it? Just, there aren't big crowds there waving with loads of, loads of flags, is it? You know, it's nothing like that. Channel swimming is a very low-profile event uh, sport. It's uh, very niche, and you don't do it for all the uh, the crowds. Although a uh, hundred and fifty odd years ago, when what year was it? Eight, sorry, eighteen twenty-five. I think Captain Matthew Webb swam the channel. So nearly two hundred years ago, there would have been huge crowds, and they would have been an international media star. But it's uh, you do it for the personal achievement, um, and. Having knowing that you can do something like that gives a sense of confidence and peace to one's life that is very difficult to describe. Um, knowing that you you're capable of doing such a, a huge feat just gives a, a lot of confidence in every area of life. And I put a lot of my business success down to um, my channel swimming. Mm-hmm. You've got to be so focused, haven't you? To uh... You know that you know such a clear a clear objective. You know there's probably there probably is nothing clearer, is there, than than, than getting into than getting into the the sea one side of the channel and then getting over to the other side. You know it's it's just having that. No, absolutely, it's yeah. uh, it's pretty incredible. No, so what um um what sort of preparation do you have to do then? Because because you have you know when I when, again when I've had a look at your uh, the the images and that on um, online you you know. You, you do bulk up a little bit before you go because you must use an enormous amount of calories, you know, on the yeah, about 10,000 calories a day. Um, a lot of it though is um, uh, just making sure that you get enough calories in to uh, handle the sheer amount of endurance you're going to be put through. So, yeah, I do bulk up, um, but not intentionally <laughs> uh, because actually a lot of the coping with the cold again is in the mind rather than physically having fat on you. Um, so some channel swimmers put on a lot of fat and it's not really necessary. So I put on just a little there, um, but that's more a happy coincidence from eating 10,000 calories a day and dealing with the cold is very much in the mind. Right, yeah, no, it's a, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm good at putting on ten thousand calories a day. So the bit I miss about being in deep training, you can eat whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's brilliant. So, so again, I mean, is is a lot of your training done in a in a normal pool, or 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 do you do a lot of open water training, or is it a bit? A bit of both, actually. I do a lot of high-intensity interval training in normal swimming pools. Um, uh, In Cambridge, we're very lucky to have a 92-metre outdoor pool, Jesus Green, uh, one of the oldest Lido's. And uh, that's fantastic just for ploughing up and down. And then um, I'll do a lot of sea swimming as well. I'll go down to Dover. Um, I'll go on training camps all over the world, swim swim around the coast of Mallorca, that kind of thing. So it's uh, all the preparation is good fun, and it, mm-hmm. it certainly keeps you fit. Mm. And like, um, again, I, I saw you did a you did a D Day English Channel relay. Um, a few, you know, when, when that was our seventy was it seventieth anniversary? I think wasn't it? It was. Yeah, that that was a happy coincidence actually, where I met a group of people on a training camp in Mallorca. They were all um, ex-military, sorry, current military people and in quite high positions in the both UK and US military. And they were one person down. Um, I needed a, a training swim. Uh, so they asked me if I wanted to join in. Not that I'm military in the slightest, but uh, I was a cadet at school, so I think that was enough to uh, convince them that I could I could be part of the team, and it was a wonderful experience. Yeah, no. Um, again, you know, there's a you know really a really nice piece that you've uh, that you've got on there that explains, you know, just uh, you know 
so the, how the, how the different people I think you know sort of um, coped coped with the swim in in different ways. I think that that's what yeah. I got from it. You know that's uh, you know because you, you did mention in there about you know some of the people that were a little bit leaner maybe were suffering a little bit more with the with the cold initially. I think when they first oh absolutely first, you know yeah um, I mean these were big uh, army guys in tears because they were struggling so much with the the physical and the mental. Uh, side effects of the the cold of being in the middle of the sea and that those kind of conditions if it's your first proper attempt in that kind of thing it's very surreal and very overwhelming so it affects different people in different ways and the thing again one of the things i got from uh, you know from your piece there was um you know you're, you're i suppose this is and this is another mindset thing i wouldn't mind just exploring a little bit because uh, i think when you're when you're sort of um you know you start in and you're doing the whole swim yourself you know, you can you can probably get your get yourself, uh, you know, sort of um, in the right frame of mind. But but with this, you were you were going in for an hour or an hour and a half or two hours, and then you were coming out, and then you were getting yeah. warm, you were getting comfortable, and then all of a sudden, you know, sort of six or eight hours later, you were having to get back in. That environment That's right. that was that was horrible that you've come out of. Again, I've done quite a few of these relays and uh, yep. basically you've got it in one there is where a team of uh, four or five of you um you relay it across so you do an hour and then next person gets in the next person so you've got three or four hours in between and um getting back in i always find so much harder than just knocking it out as a solo swim um mentally physically obviously just swimming the whole distance yourself is is uh, exhausting um but the psychological element of having to get in and out on a relay i've never particularly enjoyed that mm. No, no, that's uh, yeah. I, I, I must admit, I can I can really understand why. because <laughs> you, know, you, you get back into a you get back into a comfort zone, don't you? Once you've got exactly. out, and then you've got to get yourself back out of that comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you say that that you know you know doing these things has has, has been of a real benefit from a business perspective. Can you explain a bit about that then? What's some you know in what in what way you know can swimming can swimming the channel actually? How do you apply that to a Okay. Well, there's an interesting one because when I first won the channel when I was 19, I was at university in my first year and I put so much time into training for um, the channel that I didn't really do any work um, at university. So I had to make a very hard decision afterwards. I either catch up on all that work or I uh, drop out and de decide that the academic route isn't necessarily for me. And that is the one I chose. So I found myself in a position where I didn't really have any qualifications, um, but I was very good at swimming and I felt pretty invincible having just swam the English Channel. So I started teaching a few private swimming lessons uh, mm -hmm. with a niche of having a, a high-end coach who um, had done something big to inspire the children uh, I, I hired a private swimming pool uh, to do that in and, and before long it achieved quite a following and there was this luxury product almost that was attracting um, individuals who wanted that high quality service rather than going to um, a leisure centre for example um, and now we teach about one and a half thousand children a week and have 30 odd staff so it really is an example of um, swimming the English Channel I, I put down to getting into this industry in the first place mm. and for it becoming so successful. Mm. Yeah because if you'd uh... 
Yeah, and it's funny, you know, if you if you if you if you just finished your degree, you, you, who knows what you would have been doing? But you know, by doing something, getting outside your comfort zone, and uh, and putting yourself into an environment where you're you're at the absolute extremes, because this is this is what we're talking here, isn't it? It's, it's right yeah. at the extreme, you know, as 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 as, as giving you, I suppose, giving you the, the confidence then to to, to oh, push absolutely. on in a, yeah. And when, as any business owner will know, when the unexpected happens, when you get uh, these curveballs thrown at you and there are various problems, um, it's exactly the same as swimming the channel and knowing how to cope with those on a rational level and turn them around to your advantage uh, certainly gives us an edge. Mm. So, I mean, you know, there's there's obviously been a massive curveball that's been thrown recently with COVID, and you know, I mean, what's um, you know, how has that how has that affected you know, so what you do then? Is it is it have you been able to keep going through it, or have you had to no complete standstill? So uh, about six months of, of no income. Um, luckily, as a company, we had very good cash reserves in in the bank, um, mm-hmm. so we we were okay. Um, but a, a lot of smaller swim schools have not been so lucky and um, a lot of swimming pools because they're so expensive to run uh, there um, I don't think as many will be reopening as there were before COVID I've reopened two of our sites now um, and I'm phasing the other uh, 10 to 15 uh, between now and October hopefully but it depends very much on on a lot of the swimming pools um, uh, views on on it all in this new world Mm. And have you been able to sort of in any way pivot the business at all into into I don't know I mean there's a lot of people that have gone online with stuff I mean probably not. I don't know is it is it possible I don't know you know you it, I'm sure it is but I don't we haven't actually we've right. uh, we've just been putting a lot of effort into perfecting the model for when we come back or came back which was last week actually so actually a lot of it uh, you'll be pleased to know we were obsessing over the health and safety implications of reopening yeah. a swim school um so i did all my uh, health and safety qualifications in in covid um through the governing bodies and that really helped actually just for reopening the pool so we put a lot of groundwork into that and customers have been very happy and because my model is very small classes in private venues um, so we'll have just one class of three children in a whole swimming pool for example uh, we've been doing the whole social distancing thing for for years so in effect we've we've we're very booked up now we're in a level that I haven't seen for a long time uh, I mean I think people just want to get they want to try and get back to some some form of of, of the new normality isn't it and it's just you know okay. and introducing some of the things that you, you used to you used to in the past i think it's an important way of doing that isn't it? So. yeah absolutely um and we i've been doing open water swimming coaching as well uh, for the past month or so uh, so before swimming pools were allowed to reopen um i there's one product i offer which is a, a half day intensive course for adults with me um and that's the only bit of coaching i do in the company personally uh, but it's where a group of six aspiring triathletes who want to get fitter faster stronger in open water um come and spend half a day with me and have lots of video analysis swimming around a, a lake and we make we transform their swimming so yeah. i did a lot of that as well i guess you could call that diversifying no and that's and that's good and uh, you know and, and you know is it is it a lot of this then about technique then you know when you uh, when you're swimming over water you know is it a, a, yes. I, know, I know nothing it's, about it you know so what, what sort of things what sort of things you are you looking for then in, a, in an individual to 
to improve? Um, yeah, open, technique in open water swimming is essential. Um, otherwise, you'll just get exhausted very, very quickly. But quite honestly, same as the swimming pool, the best swimmers always have very good technique and make it look effortless, even though it's not necessarily. Uh, so that's what we try and promote in open water, lengthening the stroke, making it more efficient. Uh, and that usually results in speed and uh, all-round better experience. Mm-hmm. I must admit, when I'm, you know, when I watch, um, you know, when I watch swimming on uh, the Olympics and things like that, I'm always surprised how, how almost how little leg movement there is. You know, I mean, when I swim, my, my feet are going like crazy because my technique's probably pretty poor. But uh, you know, <laughs> is that, um, you know, I mean, it is, you know, is it is it a lot of upper body strength? Then is that or is it, or is it a combination? It is ninety percent of uh, what will propel you forward in an efficient stroke is in the upper body. The legs are mainly there to balance. So uh, kicking as hard as you're describing that will be very very tiring and yeah. will drain a lot of the energy into into the legs which won't be productive okay okay no so um so you know are you are you still doing um these these sort of bigger uh, big swims still have you got things planned I mean, what yeah well i was supposed to be swimming around manhattan island this year probably around about now actually um but okay. of course uh, that's not happening with the the new world we find ourselves in so um it's a bit like the london marathon the manhattan island swim is it's 28 miles it's a lottery to get in so i was very um humbled to be given an invitation to it uh but hopefully next year i'll do that so i'm starting to get back into a bit of land training now um and hopefully we'll be ready next year mm. so i mean so, you know for the sort of things you have to think about them i mean i'm, I'm just thinking you know I've, I've been to uh i went to new york many years ago and it was a um, amazing amazing experience but the the water didn't look particularly clean you know i mean so you, are you having to are you having to sort of look at different hazards there then you know i mean am i right you know there probably aren't a lot of jellyfish in that environment but pollution could be a problem i mean that's it yeah it's it tidal it's tidal right. that the, the river so as long as you're moving with the tides it's not horrific the english channel can be far more um temperamental for that kind of thing you have a bit in the middle called the separation zone where it's basically uh, decades of rubbish that's just accumulated and and just floats uh, now i've never seen it personally because it's a bit of a lottery but i know a lot of people that have found themselves uh, in the middle of all this crap in the middle of the uh, the english channel and uh, it's part of what goes with channel swimming i guess i've always been quite lucky and had quite clear uh, stretches of water but doesn't mean it couldn't happen mm-hmm. you know so i mean do you i mean but um i can, I can remember um, is it Dave, david williams he um he swam the thames didn't he um yeah he did he did he did the, in fact we both did the english channel the same year Right. Um, in 2006 and we we stay in he sent me a nice postcard before the irish channel right. um just saying good luck which was nice so but yes he did the thames and that was a bit, he was very unwell after that yeah so what was i mean was that was that like a was that like a, a leptospirosis or something like that that you got i mean I'm, I, I would imagine so i don't know the details but they're rivers i i don't particularly like swimming in rivers um especially ones around big cities like that because they are so polluted um and that is one of the things to consider for the manhattan swim but um because you are they are connected to the hudson um so yeah we'll see what happens yeah well i went down um i was fortunate enough to do one of my one of my podcast interviews with a guy called eric ball who's um 
he's an occupational health specialist and he, he works on the um on the thames thames tideway project oh, which right. is trying to get the um the sewerage um not going into the thames and there is there is there's enormous volumes of sewerage raw sewerage that just goes into really? the thames currently okay you know because because the drains can't handle it because they're victorian drains and so whenever yeah. it, whenever it rains really heavily they basically they overflow and and just all this all this crap ends up in the uh, in the in the in the river and i just think you know just swimming in those sort of environments must be really must be really difficult you know well it doesn't feel to me <laughs> <laughs> know, so yeah so so i mean i mean and again from a you know so from a health perspective then i'm um, you know not a fitness perspective but what sort of preparation do you have to do i mean do you have to get vaccinations and, and not the vaccinations, but there is a lot of medical. You need a disclaimer from your doctor, full medicals, and heart scans, ECGs, all sorts, um, especially for the Irish Channel, because there have been, uh, that has a higher death rate than the English Channel. Um, about once a year, someone will unfortunately die on a channel swim, but it's usually due to an undiagnosed heart condition um and just the shock of the cold to the system for um, something underlying so um i guess that they try and rule that out by making sure you have all your scans first but like anything there's always going to be a risk mm. and i mean and is it a um is it you know it's obviously a fairly smallish i mean i don't know how many people in the world do these sort of swings these endurance swings but but i'm, I'm thinking it's it's it's, it's not it's, it's, it's in the hundreds of the thousands, I would have thought, rather than the hundreds I of the thousands. I was number 676 in world history, I believe. For the right. Irish Channel, I'm number 44. Um, so, yeah, they are low numbers, but uh, it's getting a lot more mainstream now, so more those numbers I think you'll see going up. Mm -hmm. I mean, is there, um, you know, is there a, the, the piece de la resistance of, uh, of, of routes that... Uh, you know, like 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 climbing Mount Everest on the on the certain face. You know what I mean? That people, you know, how does it how does it well, work? To be honest, to be honest, the English Channel is that. Uh, that's the right. the pinnacle that most open water swimmers will go to, and it is described as the Mount Everest of the swimming world. So that put me in a bit of a predicament because it's the first one I did, and that's why I've been looking for other ones to do since then. Um, right. Hence, why I've discovered more niche ones like the North Channel, the the Irish one between Ireland and Scotland. So there there are others all over the world. There always will be more challenges, but not as iconic as the English Channel. No, no. So, and I suppose is there are there certain environments where it's just it's just not possible. I mean, I'm presuming that the further north you go, does it, does the water just get too cold that you can't swim up there? Oh, it does. But people have done it. Um, Lewis Pugh, uh, I believe, has the record for Antarctica swimming. I think he swam a mile in Antarctica, and that would have been <laughs> well very cold. And then there you get your ice swimming. Um, community where people will regularly swim all through the winter and I know in the the world championships for that they they chainsaw these great big swimming pools out of the ice um, pallets in, uh, <laughs> in wherever they hold them so again not my cup of tea going down to that particular temperature um, but a lot of people do it's amazing what the human body is capable of mm. and so do you um you know, is there? Can you swim the channel in a in a wetsuit then, or is it must it be without a wetsuit, or are they like to? You can do it in a wetsuit, but it would not get classed as a channel swim. It would right. get classed as a channel crossing, 
the same as rowing across in a canoe would. Um, in order to go into the, the record books as a, a, a official channel swim, has to be un, under the exact same conditions as it very first was in 1875, I think it was. I said 1825 earlier, but it's 1875 uh, when Matthew Webb did it. Um, so um, very strict rules on what you can and can't wear. Um, certainly not a wetsuit. I think the um, I did it in speedos, which is the norm for men, and women tend to do it in a swimsuit. Well, I think from my my parents used to live in France, and um, and if you ever went um, if you ever went swimming in France, you, you had to wear speedos. You're not allowed to wear shorts in the pool. So oh, really? just, yeah, so you're just getting your, yeah, I don't know why that is, you know, so it's one of their rules. So uh, you know, we were yeah. all, you know, so uh, you were just getting yourself ready so you didn't get you didn't get picked up by the uh, the French authorities for swimming for swimming in shorts. But yeah. um yeah, yeah, I suppose they drag a bit as well. So, yeah, so, um, true, they do, they speedos <laughs> are a lot more efficient. Yeah. So what about um, you know, you 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 have to sort of um uh, cover yourself in in, in fat or you know what do you do to yeah it used to be goose fat in the uh in the victorian days which is one of the myths that people still think we do today cover yourself right. in goose fat or lard but no it's vaseline nowadays and it's right. not it's not much it's a very thin layer mainly on the chafing points otherwise yeah. um if you think of doing um a arm movement in the water fifty thousand times um which you would be on a channel swim doing one of the the freestyle arm movements the chafing that can occur if you don't have proper uh, lubrication it is quite substantial and i've certainly been bleeding in the water where i've forgotten to put a bit of vaseline on um mm. within about half an hour so mm. Mm. the grit in the sea you see yeah and, and and nobody you know nobody's allowed to touch you to 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 put anything on put any extra covering on no you know? no so if you forget you're done um they can i think they chucked a pot down to me when i was struggling once and i applied it myself halfway across but um just for a top up mm -hmm. What about warmer, warmer swimming then? Do you do any, you know, is that of interest? You know, I see... Oh, yeah, um, I, did, I did a lot of my training around Barbados, actually, where uh, my sister lived at the time. So I did a lot of my training out there, um, a lot of training camps I do in very nice, warm countries. Um, but there are some channel swims on my hit list that are in warmer territories. There's one in Japan, for example, the Tosagaru Strait, um, uh, the, the Cook Strait in New Zealand I'd quite like to do, which is a bit warmer, um, but these are all over the long-term plan. I'm, I'm not in any rush for any of these. And is there, I mean, is there a, um, you know, is there, is there a limit? Um, you know, because, you know, what, how, how, you know, how far can you, can you swim, you know, with unaided, as it were, you know, is, is there, is there, there a are, that boundary is always being pushed. So um, I, I can't remember the exact number now, but I'm sure it's up near the 100 mile mark, possibly yeah. beyond. Um, and a lot of people even go for double, triple, or even quadruple channel swims nowadays. In fact, there's someone in the water right now who's doing a quadruple, um, which is to England, to France, back, back again, back again. And, Basically, you can stop for 10 minutes either side, and that is just continuous swimming for about 48 hours. Oh, my God. Again, it doesn't really appeal to me, these extreme pushing the body to that extreme limit. I, I like just to go one way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I really, I really get that. I really understand that. Yeah. So what's, um, you know, 
what sort of things then would you would you say to the to the people that are listening to this then about you know about them you know getting the you know going back to this I suppose this mindset thing and you know not and not necessarily about doing a doing a swim but just in in general about you know sort of applying applying yourself in life what the what are the big the big sort of learnings that you've uh, you've taken from this? Um, I think it, the we as humans are capable of incredible things just with the right amount of belief um, and being in the the right place. Um, it's I know a lot of people believe in in luck being a big part of it, but I'm a firm believer that we create our own luck. And um, having your mind in the right place, you'll just be amazed at uh, what can be achieved both physically, environmentally, in many areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so getting that, um, you know, just getting that, getting that, that focus, getting, you know, planning properly, and then, uh, and then being just being driven. I suppose, isn't it? Is the uh, is the big thing, you know, being driven That's forward. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, no, fantastic. Yeah, you know, I mean, how um, you know, how can how can people get hold of you? What is the uh, you know, what is the best way for people to get hold of you? Uh, to get hold of me, they can visit EliteSwimmingAcademy.co.uk. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're interested in any form of swimming lessons, swimming coaching around Cambridgeshire, Suffolk, um, way is where we have lots of pools. Uh, me personally, my private website is EdwardWilliams.org.uk, which has all of my videos and tales of these channel swims um i also do a lot of school assemblies so um which i always do free of charge so when we're allowed to visit schools again it would be a pleasure to come and speak at any of your listeners children's schools and inspire their kids yeah, fantastic because you know it's so important that um you know that, that people get that, that, that get fit and healthy you know and, and swimming has got to be it's got to be one of the best uh, one of the best ways of, of getting getting in shape isn't it you know, just, it it just is. every single part of the body, I think, gets, uh, you know, gets, gets a workout, doesn't it, when you go for a swim? So. Absolutely. No, it's a fantastic exercise. Ah, fantastic. Ed, hey, look, I really appreciate your time. You know, thank you ever so much. And, um, you know, and, uh, you know, good luck. Thanks. Well, thank you very much indeed. Greatly appreciated. Ed, thank you so much for coming on the show it was really fascinating talking to you you know having that um that 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 mindset you know getting getting clear how you can sort of battle through the adversity of uh, of swimming in extremely cold conditions you mentioned about the uh the relay that you did across the channel and and how you have to you know you get out of the water you get you get warm and then only a few hours later you've got to get back in knowing exactly what it's like i mean that takes some real um you know sort of real clear thinking um, I really hope that listeners, I hope you've, you've enjoyed this episode. It's a little bit different to what we've normally been doing. Um, but I just wanted to bring something just, a, you know, just a bit unusual, a bit different, um, that just challenges the way people think. You know, that's what we're about here, challenging the way that we think. And, um, and I really, uh, I really hope you, you enjoyed the episode. Hey, Ed, I look forward to uh, speaking to you again really soon. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast. You can follow and engage on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching the Interesting Health and Safety Community or go to www.influentialmg.com. And remember, let's make health and safety as important as everything else we do in business.